Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. Well, we welcome all of our listeners, and every Friday for a month, we like to kind of theme that month, and so here we are in August already, and so this month, what we want to look at is we want to look at what we call the Beatitudes of the Heart. When we think of that phrase, Beatitudes, our mind quickly takes us to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, and that's where we're going to be. And we will kind of talk about these as a unit here in just a moment. But then what we want to do is we want to, this month, just kind of peel off some layers and talk about each individual beatitude that fits this one particular area. We'll mention here in just a minute. And we encourage you to get your Bibles, turn with us to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the entirety of the sermon. It's considered the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher of all time, that's Jesus. And what the Lord is doing here is he's showing his disciples this is what citizenship looks like in the kingdom of God. Many of these expressions were opposite of what they would have thought. Many of them are opposite of what our world thinks today about getting ahead and success. But in this, Jesus is driving at the core values of what really matters to him and the kingdom of God. Yeah, you and I both know the power of a good introduction. Introductions can be challenging. Do you, Roger, just, I mean, personally, do you find introductions or conclusions or the middle of a sermon to be more challenging? Uh, the, the beginning. The okay. Be, the yeah. beginning. Once you get, once you get going, then, then things flow. But how you get that thing started, that's hard. Yeah. And this is the introduction of, I'm not going to argue, the greatest sermon ever preached. And so of all the ways that Jesus could begin as he, Matthew five, verse one, sees the crowds, he goes up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. How are you going to get this masterful sermon that you know, as Jesus, people are still going to be talking about 2,000 years later? How do you get get it started? Well, this is when he opened his mouth and taught them, this is what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Roger, he moves on, obviously, from there, but he begins by talking about 
the heart, right? And you mentioned we've got four Fridays in the month of August. There are lots of ways that we could break down, study, dissect, and digest these these Beatitudes. What you and I have done is to divvy them up into two sets of four. Um, Beatitudes of the heart and then expressions of the heart. And we've isolated these Beatitudes of the heart as the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and those who are pure in heart. Why do you think those are worth talking about for an entire month? Well, first of all, the, those are the, the qualities between an individual and God. They really don't involve other people. They're just between me and God. And from that is going to come out everything else. Yeah. And so the second category, the demonstration of the heart, is going to talk about gentleness and mercifulness and peacemaking and my attitude toward those who persecute me. All of those involve other people. And all of those are based upon, first of all, who I am. So the who I am are these qualities or beatitudes of the heart. So that's why Jesus begins with this. It is interesting as this begins, he doesn't, he just lists them like almost like bullet points. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a lot of explanation why this matters. He doesn't really tell us how to get there. He just says, this is it. Now, the rest of his teaching, the rest of the gospels, and really the rest of the New Testament will expound upon these. And from what the others say, we learn how to become that way and why these are so important. But as Jesus begins, this is what he says. Now, back to you, Jason. What does the word blessed or blessed mean? Yeah, that it, it sounds like if we're not careful, it sounds like... I would suggest an empty religious word if we're not careful. You know, we maybe grew up hearing a grandmother or an aunt say, well, bless your heart or bless their heart. And okay, well, what does that mean? It sounds like it has something to do with God or, you know, living for God, but, but what in the world does, does it mean to bless someone else or to be blessed? As I understand it, the way that Jesus is using that word, what it really revolves around is truly happy. It is an experience on the inside of Something that God is making available to us. This is, even as we say all of the time in connection with this podcast, this is life the way it was meant to be. Our, our creator is telling us, listen, if you will do these things, if you will have these things take root in your heart and you will trust me enough to water and and fertilize these things and live this way what you're going to find is real happiness and satisfaction and you know another expression would be fortunate you, you are blessed you're fortunate something has happened to you and and what Jesus is saying is it's not just for the lucky person who got the lucky ticket. Right. Uh, anybody can do this, but here's the qualities that bring this. Now, again, beginning with that foundation that this, this is a great internal joy or happiness, what we would think it follows would be how the world would explain that. Right. 
Blessed are you when your uncle leaves you a million dollars. Blessed right? are the rich. <laughs> yeah. We would think, man, that's awesome, you know. Blessed are those who never have a storm in their life. You know, that's, that's how we would look at that. But what Jesus does is he, he brings up the opposite. And what he's getting to is the quality of spiritualness in the heart that really matters. So let's take this first one. And let's just go through and talk about it and stretch it a little bit and see what we can get from this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we begin, first of all, by understanding he does not say blessed are the poor in pocket. Okay? He's not talking about the amount of money you have. Uh, You could be a millionaire and be poor in spirit. You can be somebody who's destitute and not be poor in spirit. Yeah. And so so th- this has nothing to do with 401s, the square footage of your house. This has to do with the quality of the heart. That's what Jesus is, is emphasizing here. And so poor in spirit, is, is has, as he begins this, this is how we see ourselves. And that's the idea that we're going to kind of be talking about here is Jesus is talking about the relationship with God and how, why this is such a, a key starting point to understand citizenship in the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, it's significant, I think, that in Matthew chapter 4 is where we begin hearing Jesus go around and the first word out of his mouth as he visits these towns and villages and synagogues and all of these, first word that he says is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And of all the ways to begin the sermon, blessed are the poor. Well, that's not what I was expecting, right? That has my attention, but he very quickly says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And those two things, Matthew chapter 4, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those don't seem to be isolated messages, conflicting messages or, you know, confused messages. We might think of, okay, uh, let's think of a cowboy maybe that is trying to uh, tame a horse. Uh, Back in uh, uh, decades past, you've got these wild horses that are gathered together and a bunch of cowboys that are trying to break those horses. And maybe you've got a particularly stubborn, really energetic horse, one of the ways that that horse might be described is having a lot of spirit, right? A a spirited horse is a horse that doesn't want to turn, doesn't want you to put a bridle in its mouth. It, it doesn't want to follow your lead. A lot of times what helps me to really wrap my mind around what a phrase like the poor in spirit means is to look at the opposite. And when I think of opposite, I think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, where he's talking with many of the people who were responsible for crucifying Jesus. He describes them in Acts 7.51 as stiff-necked people. Roger, isn't that the opposite? Stiff-necked of poor in spirit. Absolutely. You know, another word for poor would be bankrupt. Okay. Uh, so, so here's somebody and he wants to follow Jesus, 
Well, he's not going to go up there and tug on Jesus' robe and say, "Hey, Jesus, uh, I, you're going to you're going to be happy to have me on your team." You know, <laughs> I've, I've 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 done this and I've done that and I've got these degrees and man, I'm I'm, I'm going to be a superstar. I'm a rock star in in your kingdom. Now, now Jesus will say, "Go sit down. I, you know, you're not ready." But here comes a someone, and he realizes that because of his sins, he's broke. He's broke spiritually. There's nowhere else to turn. When that prodigal finally realized that he was bankrupt of spirit, he came home. Uh, there was no one to help him. He was out of money, and he realized, I can come home to my father. The Apostle Paul would say in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 as he's describing the Gentiles. And again, I think it's a very fitting uh, section here. He says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. When somebody still has options, somebody still has hope, well, I won't turn to God. I, I, let me try it my way first. Let me try it. My friend said this. I read this on the internet. Let me try this. Let me try that. Let me. When somebody realizes there are no options, I'm broke. I'm bankrupt. I've got to come home to God. That's where it starts. And that's what it's trying to get them to see. Now, now the question would be, uh, how does somebody get that way and why are they that way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are that way because of what they have done. And it is not until I come first of all face to face with that. Um, that I'm ready to listen to Jesus further, right? If I am pointing fingers at other people, if I'm punting the blame as far away from myself as I can, I'm, I'm maybe very strong in spirit, very stubborn, right? And Jesus seems to get most upset with people who are strongest in their spirits, maybe to the point of discrediting him, trying to draw other people away from him. It's when people recognize I am broke because I allowed sin to break me. That's a starting point, right? That is Peter in the boat in Luke chapter 5, where he says to Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Or it's the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 who has this urgent appeal for Jesus. My, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. Please come and heal him. And Jesus says, I'll come. And that centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Or it's the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15 who the apostles are getting upset because she's following Jesus all around and they just want Jesus to, to kick her out. And, and eventually she hears Jesus say what you would expect a typical Jewish rabbi to say, right? I I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. That is poverty in spirit. It's that kind of an attitude that Jesus celebrates and draws attention to, right? But I can only have that sort of faith when I recognize I'm broken because of what I've done. 
I'm accountable. I am the one who is unworthy. You know, it, it's very much like construction. It's just kind of like you, you've got to level what was there before, get all the way down to the, the, the ground, and then you're going to be able to build up again. Yeah. And, and so as Jesus begins this, this sermon, he doesn't look at this vast audience and say, you are awesome. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just awesome. He doesn't say that. No, nor does he say, man, everybody's okay just the way you are. He doesn't say that. Now, that's the message of today so often. And, and, and that's what people want to hear. Hey, what I'm doing is fine. What I'm doing is okay. Uh, give me my sticker and let me go on my way. You just keep doing you and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> but as Jesus began the sermon, he said, the happy ones, the blessed ones, are those who realize that they are nothing. Yeah. They're nothing. From that... God can do something. From that, God can build, and God can add things to that. And from that, that person is going to be willing to listen to God. And when God says things, he's going to do that because I remember trying it my way, and that sure didn't work. And my way got me in the mess I'm in. So until we realize we are broken, then we will not be fixed by Jesus. And that's why, again, one of the things that, that we don't, use very often today. We don't call sin, sin anymore. We, we've got these nice terms. We use the word that drunkenness is a disease and that uh, uh, instead of an adultery or fornication, we use the word affair. And we, we, we have these nice little labels and all of a sudden that softens the sin. And everybody it does wrong. Everybody makes mistakes, we say. And what that does is just say, well, it's okay. It's okay. But it's not. And what, and what Jesus is beginning here is those who are bankrupt in spirit, that's where you're going to begin. And what we're going to find as we go through this series here is you're going to find that these are, are like stepping stones. You've got to have the first one before you can get the second one. But what you're going to see is the first one is connected to the second one, and then that will be connecting to the third one. And But you've got to have them in order. If you don't have them in order, it simply will not work. That's some of the things that the Lord's bringing out here. Yeah, Roger, in our last minute or two, let me just pick your brain here a little. What What today might lead to boastfulness of spirit, richness of spirit, the the sort of attitude that keeps me blind from how desperately I really need Jesus. I think our culture is just is just wrapped around that. Our, our culture elevates man higher than man should be elevated. So so in in the movies you you, you got, you know, this alien from afar coming in here. He's destroying the planet. And it's man who steps up. Man doesn't need anybody. I'll, I'll just kind of get through this somehow. <laughs> and, and, and you got this idea and, and that idea. And, and e- even decades ago, books written like, I'm okay. You're okay. Well, no, we're not okay. We're not okay. If we're okay, we don't need Jesus. The very idea that I'm not okay means I am bankrupt in spirit. And so, our times really and our culture really doesn't help us with this, yeah. and so we've got we've got to get away from that. Um, you know, sometimes even modern counselors and therapists will just kind of soften the wrong that's been done. And what we need to see is we have sinned against God, we have shamed God, and we are in trouble, and we need God's help. That, that story of Matthew eighteen about the man who owed ten thousand talents. Uh, th- that was a, a vast amount of money. That that was not ten thousand dollars. 
that would have been millions and millions and millions of dollars. And that man in his lifetime would never have been able to accomplish that. That's the point that Jesus wants you to see, is that you made sin and now you are in a mess. You cannot get out of it. You need Jesus. And that's where this begins. Now, before we end this, how does this uh, verse end? Yeah. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so if because of the culture around me or because of my own physical strength or my level of learning and education or the riches that I have or the family tree, whatever it is that is keeping me exalted in my own eyes, it is keeping me away from the kingdom of heaven, right? In order to have entrance to the kingdom of heaven, I don't have to be the strongest physically. I don't have to be the richest monetarily. I don't have to be the most influential or powerful uh, when it comes to human prestige. But I do have to recognize I have committed cosmic treason against the king of the universe. I deserve to be punished by him. And yet he has given his son in order for me to be a part of a different kingdom, an upside down kingdom, right? A a kingdom that doesn't value and prioritize like the kingdoms of this world. But this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is the one that will endure for all of eternity. As God's people have been singing for generations, the kingdoms of earth pass away one by one, but the kingdom of heaven remains It is available, but only to those who recognize how unworthy they are and how desperately they need Jesus. And and what a, what a bold statement to begin a sermon. I mean, years ago, there used to be a commercial on TV uh, from the Marines recruiting people. We're looking for the few, the good, you know, that they were looking for a select group of people. And Jesus does not say, okay, in this audience, I'm looking out here. Okay. Uh, you, you got it. You got a crutch and I don't need you. And you, I don't know about you. You, you, you look like you couldn't add one and one together. So I don't need you. I'm, I'm looking for the best. The best will be part of my kingdom. That's what happens every year in sports when it becomes time to, uh, have the NFL draft or the baseball draft. They're looking for the best players, best players to be on my team. Or if you're the Dodgers, we just buy them, you know, <laughs> some other team will have them. We'll just buy them off you. Okay. That's what we do. But, but that's not how Jesus begins this. I'm looking for the broken. And, and, and you can imagine if Jesus said, raise your hand if you feel like you're broken, busted and no good. Well, everybody probably looked at each other and said, I'm not raising my hand. Right now. <laughs> but that's who Jesus is looking for. Yeah. Because from that, God will build us to what he needs to be. Beatitudes of the heart. I mean, Roger, this is, I'm just counting here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 words in our English language, that first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Don't you get the sense? I mean, you could talk for 13 hours about the depth and the the profound nature of the beginning of that. But it all really does revolve around 
the heart. Lord willing, next Friday, we'll listen to the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And maybe that gives our listeners something to think about over the course of the next few days. Not just what does it mean to be poor in spirit, but an anticipation of next Friday. Why would Jesus say, blessed are those who mourn? This is so important because as Jesus preached, what comes out of us is determined by what's in us. And this is where it begins. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. Maybe you know someone who could benefit from these simple conversations we're planning to have throughout the month of August. We would be so encouraged and honored if you'd take the time to share this with them. We hope that it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.